Since it is Christmas season, one got to be reminded of the main character, isn't it? Who's the main character? Santa Claus. <laughs> is it Jesus or is it Santa Claus? No way, I don't see people hanging Jesus around. So I see people putting up socks. Right? I don't see people putting up a manger at their home with a little baby down there. Also. Correct, huh? Some way, somehow, Santa Claus takes the spotlight, you know. But the main character is Jesus, isn't it? And the Christmas season actually means a lot to the Christian faith and to us as Christians. It is a day where we celebrate God's gift of salvation to humanity. And that gift is Jesus, the Son of God, who chose to leave His place of comfort in heaven, born into flesh by the Virgin Mary, with one mission. And that mission is to die on the cross for you and me. Now many of us knew about the story of His love in dying on the cross for you and me. Some of you may ask, what about the story of His birth? Well, God's very decision to come down to earth, leaving His comfort in heaven, to be born in a manger, into a humble family, doesn't that show how much He loves us? Now, while it is Christmas season, I know they put the title Christmas Message. I didn't really prepare a message about Jesus' birth or His story in the manger. But rather, I prepare a message to challenge you and your faith. And therefore, I would like to challenge two sets of people. Then these two sets of people are the Christians and non-Christians. I would like to challenge you all, especially the Christians, who actually believe that in Christmas season, we remember the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the story, His story in the manger, and we believe that He is and He claim who He is, which is the Son of God. I'd like to challenge you with the following questions. First off, if Jesus is God and God is real, one can't help but to ask the question, why are there sufferings in the world? Right? Shouldn't the arrival of God eliminate the suffering of the world? And since Christian also suffers, doesn't that prove that God isn't real? And to answer this question, I would like to bring forth the title of my message, which comes, forth, which comes in the form of a question. And that is, if God is real, will you follow Him faithfully? Before we start, let's pray. Dear Lord, today it's a special day. In fact, every day is special, O oh Lord. Because, Lord, our life comes from You. And it is You who has given us us life and life abundantly. And God, today as the message is delivered, I pray that this message will speak to us, not only those who are at the physical service, but those online too. Lord, I pray that you will touch us. Holy Spirit, open up our heart to receive that one word from you, that one truth from you, and that truth, that truth will set us free. Dear Lord, I hand the service into your hand. I hand the message into your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now today, you know, although I say the main character is Jesus, but I would like to look at two characters from the Old Testament. And that is the life of Joshua and Caleb. That before we read into the main portion of scripture for today, let me tell you a little bit background about these two people. Now Joshua and Caleb are actually Israelite men whose stories offer an example of faithful commitment to the Lord. Both of them came out of Egypt with the Israelite through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. In fact, Joshua and Caleb were selected along the other 10 other men to explore the promised land and to give a report to Moses and his people. And after exploring Canaan land for 40 days, the explorers, the spies, reported the following in Numbers chapter 12, uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 to 33. Now, can I ask you to look at your screen and read with me together, okay? Ready? One, two, go. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Then and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they have explored. They say, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Alright, so, yeah. so from the scripture that we have just read, we knew that Joshua, Caleb and the ten spies were given one task, was, were given a mission. And that mission is to check on the land and to give a report to what they have seen. Now they scouted the place and noticed that the land was, the land was good, isn't it? Good ma, right? The land very fertile ma. They even show how big the fruits is. I don't know how big it is lah, but I'm pretty sure it's quite big lah. For them to say the land is very fertile and the land is very good. In fact, they use this description: the land is a land flow with milk and honey. The only way I can describe this is honey star. Alright, <laughs> that's the only way I can think of, right? But after that. After seeing all the good reports, they also added bad reports. In fact, not only did they present the bad report, they decided to let the bad report dictate their future. I repeat, not only they give bad report, but they decided to let the bad report dictate their future. Now, one thing you have to know is this. This group of people uh, who have 
presented all this bad report, uh, isn't some random people, you know, or Cantonese we like to say Calafé, uh, right? These are not the kitchi meow, you know, simply, yeah, uh, maybe Wagner small in size, so I notice I bring Wagner up, la, or maybe uh, Josh also can. These are leaders, you know, like Pastor Mike, uh, Simo, Sister Michelle, right? These are leaders of each tribe. And when I say leaders of the tribe of Israel, there is only two meaning to it. Number one, they all knew God. Now say with me, they knew God. You sure they knew God? Again, repeat with me, they knew God. Right? Then secondly, they came out from Egypt, isn't it? Means they also seen miracles. Now say with me, seen miracles. Uh, not miracle long, lah, huh? but the miracle. <laughs> we just have to make a joke out of her. Sorry, uh, miracle. Okay. Uh. <laughs> These people not only know who God is, but they also saw. Okay, if I were just someone uh, that have seen miracles, uh, right? There's still a lot of variables in it, right? Maybe I see it from far, I can say, hey, oh, just now uh, Uncle Kenny experienced miracle, you know. From cannot walk, become can walk, but I stand so far, ma, right? Most probably I'll say, yeah, maybe uh, because he's hiding behind, uh, he can stand, he uses his hand uh, to support himself. That's why it looks as if he's standing. If I were to say they only seen miracles, Maybe nah, we still can say, ah, maybe that's a form of magic and all. But these are people who have experience, you know. Hey, going through the Red Sea ah, is a, <laughs> a stroll down to Aquaria, you know. <laughs> right? So, oh, got a lot of fish here. Oh, not bad. Oh, quite nice. Oh, quite nice. No, <laughs> never seen before. All eh? of oh, a sudden, ah, they thought there is a roadblock there. They were telling Moses back then, ah, Dude, what are you doing? You're leading me to death, you know. Bring us one way. La. Then all of a sudden, oh, wow, this Moses also champion, raise up one staff only, then suddenly split the sea. Oh. <laughs> I'm a modern pastor, I also cannot do that. <laughs> right? Uh, I believe Jesus with all my heart and soul, but I also cannot do that. But you imagine, uh, they went through it, you know. Hey, it's not like they just say, oh, the race is split. Good job. That's a good distraction for them. Uh, let's go another way. No, they went through it. Meaning to say, uh, they see seas, the walls of seas, you know. But you guys see whales swimming, you know, just like the cartoon Prince of Egypt. I think that's a very good description, but that's how it is, you know. And on top of that, uh, haven't, they, haven't they experienced the ten plagues in Egypt. Those are very real, isn't it? And yet, this group of people, these ten people who are so-called leaders, choose one thing. They choose that their circumstances is bigger than God. They believe that their circumstances is bigger than God. But then in verse 30, in verse 30, someone stood up. Who stood up? Caleb. Caleb silenced the people, isn't it? He said, Hey, we should go up, take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
I cannot describe how real it is, lah. But if you know Cantonese, and I, <laughs> I preach this in Cantonese, I prefer that new flavor. I say, if I were to do the Cantonese translation, I would rephrase it this way: "Hang lah, we're going to go to Right? Because the <laughs> earlier they say uh, the people living there devours those living in it, right? But right now, right, Caleb is like challenging these people, you know. Wow, you think you can devour me? Ah? Come lah, eh. I'll devour you instead. Right? Hang Right? That is the kind of faith that he has. He has a different attitude as compared to the other spies. Besides Caleb, Joshua also believed the same. He believed that God is able to grant them victory despite of their circumstances. Now, when both of them, when all the people complain that they cannot go up and conquer this land, both Caleb and Joshua responded strongly. Now, let's look at the next, right? Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Japheneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, "The land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good." You know what I want to focus on? Although I put there the green color ones, uh, can we go back to the previous slide? Yeah, right. I didn't. I should have highlighted this. Tore their clothes. Why so extreme? <laughs> Cannot tell me. Imagine, uh, I want to preach. I tell you, the Lord is good. Then suddenly I tore my clothes. Wow, I'll cheese in. Fun man, Correct? You get what I'm trying to say? Why must they go to that extreme? It is because they are trying to prove a point here. That, hey, don't look at the circumstances first. Look at the land. Hey, this is the land that God has promised. Eh? And they say this land is exceedingly good. There are, in fact, God, just because of that, because of all these people who don't want to believe, don't want to listen to Joshua and Caleb. God have to sentence these people. And some of them didn't even get to go into the promised land, isn't it? And the rest have to wait close to 40, uh, 40 years before they can enter the land. The two exceptional people that can enter this promised land is actually Joshua and Caleb. So what set both Caleb and Joshua apart from the other leaders. They remain faithful to God's leading. They faithfully follow God's leading. My brothers and sisters, following God faithfully doesn't mean that we only follow Him in good times, but also in bad times. Just because we see how God is with us during the good times does not mean that God had taken a vacation during our bad times. When you are facing bad time, God didn't take a leave and say, sorry, uh, I'm going to apply leave now. You cannot reach me. But after I'm done with my leave, I'll come back to you. <laughs> right? No, he doesn't that, that, do that. Just look at Joshua and Caleb. Hey, Joshua and Caleb are uh, Stand so strong for the Lord, right? Tore their clothes, convinced. Then God say, hmm, 
only two people can enter, and that is Joshua and Caleb. Hey, but uh, these two people uh, can only enter uh, 40 years later, you know. <laughs> I, re I repeat again. Uh, these two people, amazing, isn't it? Tore their clothes, everything, but only get to enter 40 years later. 40 years later, eh? They didn't enter the land immediately, you know. At times, we ought to ask the question, fair, meh? Fair, meh? Thank God I'm not the one writing the Bible. If not, I'll put that not fair. So not fair, lah. For that 40 years, uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, we didn't read in the Bible. Uh, and Joshua and Caleb lived happily ever after for 40 years before entering into the promised land. They built themselves a nice house at this small corner, just waiting for that 40 years to come to enter the promised land. No. Whatever the Israelites face, different challenges. No water, la, complain. Not enough food, la, complain. Need to go and fight others. La. Hey, Joshua and Caleb were thrown into all these different challenges. Eh. But yet, eh, they decided to follow God eh, all the way to the end. Sometimes I do ask, eh, actually, what have Joshua and Caleb done wrong? Eh? That they need to stay for another 40 years in the wilderness and to be thrown with all these different challenges. Despite they are the only two that obey God. Very hard, huh? right? If I don't have any experiences, you know, I would say, ah, oh, hey, not fair, lah, not fair. But here I would like to take some time to share a little testimony that I have experienced. Just very recent, about seven weeks ago. All right. I think some of you are very happy for me, you know, when I posted that I'm in a relationship or I tell you I got. Oh, suddenly I felt like I'm the celebrity pastor. Everyone asking, you know. Some uh, even go to an extent of personally text me, you know. Hey, who is that girl? Huh? Show picture, see. So who is that lucky girl? Huh? <laughs> There's just so much people. Uh, and I'm thankful uh, for all the cares that you have showered me with. Right? Just to give you a little bit background, I started this relationship with, uh, uh, with a Singaporean. Uh, she lives in Singapore. And uh, that is why you see me quite frequent to Singapore for the past one year. Right? So, we knew each other du during a conference in Japan about four years ago. Uh, nothing happened throughout that four years. But it was during MCO, you know, something magical <laughs> happened. Alright? Too much time at home, lah, maybe. So, <laughs> so something happened and uh, eventually... Uh, we got together. But a lot of people don't know what transpired in the entire conversation. We were crazy. I am crazy. <laughs> right? On the first day when I, I how do you say, um, I confessed to her or to ask her uh, if we can date. 
we discuss a million things. <laughs> right? uh, we even talk about marriage first. <laughs> Haven't they already talked about marriage? Uh, even in the <laughs> conversation, uh, the, the conversation we have is this. I say, I've got one issue. Uh, if you were to start this, I'm a pastor in my own church, uh, in First AG, and I don't think I'm able to live down, I can go down to Singapore. Lah. So if you really want to start this relationship, uh, I may have one small request, uh, I know it's huge for her, and that is for you to move down here to KL. And only if you consider this, uh, then only if we start. Uh. If not, uh, no point, uh, we won't go into marriage anyway. What? Right? So that was the thing that we discussed, you know, first day. Then we said, okay, why not? We take two months, pray about it. Huh? We pray about it. We pray, 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 pray. Now the day comes on the 26th of December. I ask her again. And then she said, you know what? I think I'll say yes. Oh, so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we started. Everything seems okay. So, but it was until like in the month of September, in the month of September, all of a sudden, uh, so throughout the year, uh, from December all the way to September, we, st we still got talking about, like, hey, so if she moved down here, uh, how? Uh, there are a lot of things we need to iron out because we are really gearing into marriage already. Right, we are gearing towards you know proposal and whatnot. It it will happen that we within one two years time. So everything we have to talk things out. Then we discover one thing. So even before I started the relationship, I know there is one obstacle, and that is for her to come down to KL uh, to Malaysia to stay. And the biggest issue here is not because of anything major, but because uh, she has to look after her parents. And she is the one earning and uh, supporting the family in Singapore. So that become a huge deal for me. Uh, she studied media. I know the media <laughs> uh, salary here won't go crazy high. Lah. And uh, for her to support, she's been earning quite a, a normal salary, I would say. I, you know, just a simple calculation. Even if she were to earn $3,000, that's quite... Average uh, in Singapore. I need to find a 9,000 ringgit job for her. Leh. <laughs> How to find? I got that 9,000 ringgit job, I take already. La. <laughs> right? So hard, you know, I'm like, How to find that 9,000 ringgit job? Huh? And finance becomes one of the issues. So, but even before we start, we, we have talked this out. And that is why some of my closer friends, I said to them, you know, if, especially Chris, Chris will have known my journey anyway. So I said, if we are able to start this relationship, it's a miracle already. Right? Even at the beginning of the relationship, it's already a miracle for her to say yes. So then after that, you know, from December all the way to September, you know, I gave her this impression. Nah. I, I, I told her, I don't need to worry. Nah. Actually, I also say <laughs> in my heart, I'm like, how to find you that 9,000 ringgit job? Ah? <laughs> so then I give in a bit. I say, 
Okay, let's do it this way. You come to KL, you try first. In the event you cannot, we are married already, ma. I cannot ditch you, ma. Right? Then I can go down to Singapore. <laughs> so I move down to Singapore, but try. Try first, la. we try. La. If cannot, then we move down to Singapore. So, that was some of the promise I have given her. But it is in the month of September, suddenly, la, the urge in me la, keep telling me, you ought to stay here. I want you to stay here. I know the prompting is from God. Ah. You have to stay here. I'm like, why? What happened? Ah? So I even <laughs> argue with God. I say, God, the first thing ah, that you institutionalize ah, in the book of Genesis is actually family, you know. <laughs> Not church first. Leh. <laughs> I didn't see you setting up a church in the Garden of Eden. It was family, right? So what I do is biblical, ma. what is wrong in having a family? Then God, uh, very smart also. Then let me read before. Oh, before Adam met Eve, uh, Adam was doing ministry first. <laughs> he was naming <laughs> the animals. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, win now. <laughs> very good comeback. Uh. So I'm like, oh, ministry first. Uh. Only after ministry you show me family. Uh. Okay, fine. So then later on, Pastor Mai in the month of September, I think it is in the month of end of August, he told me this. He said, Nick, Youth for Life Malaysia is having a retreat in the month of September. So I want you to go to that retreat since it's a retreat for the youth pastors and all. So being a youth pastor, of course, I'm, oh, sure. Lah. So I asked, so what is it all about? Oh, I'm asking Donald and his team to come and teach us coaching. I'm like, what? Donald and his team? Yeah. Then I told Pastor Mike, isn't Donald your coach and my coach? We are doing personal coaching, you know. Why would I want to go there, go for a group coaching? No, lah, we learn the different dynamics. Ah. I'm like, uh, okay, let me consider it first. Lah. One thing is because I also... Lazy one, go socialize with a lot of people. <laughs> I may seem extrovert, uh, but I know I also want to be introvert at times. When. Then he somehow said, got limited seats. Only allow 30 people because that Airbnb can only accommodate 30 people. Then I said, all the more you shouldn't pick me. What? Pick those that do not have the chance of going. La. You know, ask them to go. La. Forfeit me. La. But little did I know, uh, Pastor might just go... <laughs> Go and submit everything to the treasurer, all signed for already. Oh, I registered your name already. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> so I go with I go to the retreat not knowing what is gonna happen. And I know, know some of the course there that they teach I actually knew. So then I in the first night, uh, I told God this uh, during the retreat, I say, I have God, since you died, I place me here. Here got a lot of anointed pastors, right? Okay, la, fine. La. Then, we, I will see la, if you can give me a proper direction uh, for the prompting that you have placed in my heart so long. So then, first night, according to the schedule, uh, got session one and all. Then, Pentecostal pastor, very Pentecostal one. They always don't follow schedule one. Oh, Sunday said, you know, I feel like praying today. That's all... <laughs> Let us all spend some time in praying for that first session, you know. 
So I was like, oh, sure. Good chance for me. So I pray. I kneel down somehow. I said, okay, God, tonight is the night. Then reveal to me what is your plan. Oh, the Youth Alive director, Pastor Seth N from Seremban, came to me, lay hands on me, then pray. Say, Nick, I see this vision. I saw you standing on the bridge, looking at, looking left, looking right, deciding. Both places also seem very beautiful. Oh, down in my heart, I'm like, Singapore, Singapore. <laughs> God, are you giving me a chance to pick? Tell me, tell me. Waiting for her. Then suddenly she uttered this word. I don't know what that vision means. Uh. There is much I can get. Pray about it. Uh. Maybe God will reveal to you. I'm like, you tell me the thing I knew. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what is this all about? <laughs> so I say, okay, fine. Uh, that. So second day come, third day come. So it was a four-day, three-night thing. So the last night, Byron also got session. Then the last night, <laughs> now the team of coach decided, oh, we should send some time in praying. <laughs> So I say, okay, la, last chance, la, God, la, tonight maybe you want to tell me something. La. So I pray, different pastor came over me, prophesied different things. Uh, to me, I still receive it, I keep it in my heart first. Uh, but I don't see that being an answer to what I want. Until then, uh, the head coach, uh, Donald Lim, uh, the one that have, uh, came over to English and preached before, he came over me, then suddenly he hands on me and pray. I know that words for me. It's because the first thing that he said was, Nick, I saw one word. Not Singapore, huh? Not KL, so I know you're anticipating. I saw one word. I saw the word overcomer. Now, overcomer to a lot of people, in my scenario, actually don't have any meaning one, right? But why I say it was meant for me is because the reason why I gave myself the Christian name Nick is because, you know, back in the past, we always like to go to Chosen Treasure. Then you have this small wooden plate with the name, verse, and someone got the meaning of that name. So as I was browsing through, I look at it, hey, the name Nicholas got a nice ring to it. Eh? It means overcomer. Immediately, I know. No one knew this. Not even Pastor Mike himself. No one knew. Why do I pick the name Nick and all? But this man, that I only know through coaching, and usually coaching very business one. We only talk about coaching, coaching, coaching. We don't share about personal life that much. Told me I saw the word overcomer. And immediately I know. I was tearing then. I know God has a message for me. This must be directly from God. And then, through Donald, he prophesied that, you know, I see you being a man that will be making an impact in the life of the younger ones. A man uh, that will make an impact both in the church as well as corporate. Now, it may not mean a lot to you, but I knew that word is for me to stay. Reason being, it's because even if I were to head down to Singapore, 
I, I never thought of going down to Singapore to be a pastor. All right? I'm, not go, I'm not going there to scout for a church, ask if any church wants to accept me as a pastor. I don't think I'm that good enough for people want to hire me. Uh, the reason why is because also, I believe the role of a pastor, the title of a pastor is just pastor. Uh, but it is the job that matters. So when I promise my then girlfriend, I say, you know, uh, I want to go down, we can move down to Singapore. I only thought, uh, I simply get a simple job. Uh, I think with what I have, I could easily get a clerical job. Uh, easily get me about 2,000-ish, 3,000. That's still good enough for us to survive. Actually, Singapore is quite a livable country. Even at about 3,000 Sing dollars, you still can live and save. So that was only my intention. And I thought, like, no, I can go to a church. I will still go to church. I would love to serve there. Serve first. And if they want to promote me into leadership role, then I'll do leadership role. That's what I've been doing anyway. So I don't see any problem with me you know, going down to Singapore to work and at the same time serve in the church. But when he said that, making an impact in the church, I knew God is asking me to stay. That becomes the hardest decision I have to make. And in fact, a week after that, you know, I've talked to her. Uh, we discussed things. And we say, you know, why don't let's pray about it? I say, I know I used to promise you this. But now that the calling becomes clearer, I don't think I can leave. I say, I, I know it's unfair to you. And it's okay if you really want to call it off. I will understand. Because, to be honest, she was never on the fair term. But. So I say, but the decision lies in your hand. Uh, if you ask me, I would love to proceed this relationship only with that one condition. And that is for me to remain here in KL. So later on, after about a few weeks, uh, just before, you know, youth uh, like to remember all the memorable dates on <laughs> So I confessed to her on the 26th of October. She replied me on the 25th of October. And with her reply, she don't think that it is possible for her to move down here. And ever since uh, then, Bopieno, I really have to break up. Uh. To be honest, uh, the past few weeks uh, has been a struggle for me. All right? You may look me happy-go-lucky, but I, I am happy-go-lucky is because I do not have the time to process my feeling. Not that I don't want to process my feeling, nor that am I trying to get more ministry in order to fill up my time so that I don't process my feeling. But it's because when I started this relationship, I told God this. God, it is you who grant me this relationship. Therefore, I will not make an idol of this relationship. I will put you first in all things. Any form of ministry, anyone, if they were to approach me, I will say yes to their request. And even if no one asks me for it, if I see the need, I assure you, God, I told God this, I will do it. Because I honour you and I'm thankful for what you have done in my life. So that was my, my motto. And 
when we are dating that time, you know, I promised to all the arrangement. Uh, okay, yes, 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 yes. Little did I know, uh, my schedule is so packed. Uh, I only get to process my feeling mid of January next year. <laughs> uh, really, uh, like, did, later on we will head down to Guamusang, surf there until Thursday, Friday, come back, need to prep something, uh, need to work out with my youth team where they are arranging the Christmas party on the Saturday, 2pm to 4pm. Right after that, then I have to head down to Sungai Long to lead their Sungai Long Christmas service. Then Sunday, then the whole week need to gear up and prepare for Christmas service. Then I only get to process on the 26th law, which is my, <laughs> my, right, my dating anniversary date. Law. Well, that will be a tough time for me on that Monday. Law. That I can foresee. Uh, don't worry, don't, I'm not saying this for you all to send me gifts and all. Huh? Just telling you, I'm being honest here. I knew I'm going to have hard time with that. But I still cannot take leave. It's because we have to gear up for Vision Sunday. Uh, there are things that we need to iron out. There are things we need to do. And only after Vision Sunday, only I can get to take, uh, apply my leave and to properly process my feelings. What am I trying to bring up here? I'm not saying to prove to you, ah, you know, see lah, Nick's so good. I'm not trying to promote myself. Hey, to be honest, I battle with a lot so much. I say, God, this is so not fair to me. What have I done? In fact, if I were to say, you are the one who grant me this relationship, you know. I asked for it. You grant it. Now you take it away. It's not easy. And when I was reflecting, you know, I imagined myself like Abraham. Right? When Abraham was called by the Lord, you know, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, your only son, on the altar. The precious one. And Abraham just do it. Isn't it? But before Abraham got to harm Isaac in any way, God called, stop, and provided a ram. I used to preach this a lot, and I say, you know why? Abraham is labeled the father of faith. is because Abraham has an incredible faith. What kind of faith? That if Abraham were to kill Isaac in the process, he believes that God will still resurrect Isaac. And that's why he is the father of faith. That is how much faith he has. But today, my brothers and sisters, I want to present you with a different perspective. I believe Abraham is labeled the father of faith. It's because he knew that even if he were to kill Isaac and God did not resurrect Isaac out of it, he has this faith to the Lord, believing that whatever God wills it, must be good, must be perfect. That is the crazy faith that he has. Even it means for us to sacrifice something. And in my case, my Isaac did not resurrect. Nonetheless, I stand before you as a proud youth pastor of my own church. 
seeing that how many lives that I'm able to minister with God all these years and how this life I've grown. We see the church, like it or not, I think some of you would agree with me that the church is really on a high gear mood. Everything we do tends to push for momentum. Be it mission, where we go into mission field more actively and every time we hit the mission field, you will hear tons of amazing report out of it. One of the best examples I have is actually Jasmine Long. <clears throat> I remember in the mission week uh, when she was supposed to share her testimony during the mission talk. She said this, right? She said, being a Christian doesn't guarantee that our lives will be smooth sailing, but it is definitely worth it because God is with us. It is easy to praise God and do His work while our lives is smooth sailing, isn't it? What about the bad times? We will still follow Him and do His work. Normally, even though you are facing bad times, Coming back to the question, is it fair for Joshua and Caleb? <clears throat> it may not look fair from our eyes, but I believe both Joshua, Caleb, and even Moses, the man that get to see God face to face. And yet Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land also, isn't it? I believe that all of them knew one thing. They believed that the goal or the destination that they are heading would mean nothing if God is not in it. I repeat, they knew that the goal or destination would mean nothing if God is not in it. If God is not in the equation, then whatever perfect place that may be, it is just another place. And to answer the question whether the arrival of God actually means the elimination of suffering, then why would Jesus suffer in our place? Isn't Him God? Jesus not only suffered, but He has to die for us on the cross somehow. And you may ask, if God is real, then why would he suffer and even die on the cross? Simple. It is his ultimate act of love that he took up our sins so that we do not need to die and that we will have eternal life should we choose to follow him. While well, that is the message of his crucifixion, I want you to remember this. The message of Jesus Christ dying on the cross isn't all only about his death. While it does show us how much he loved us to die for us on the cross, don't, remember, don't forget that Jesus also resurrected. Amen? It is his resurrection that has given us hope and the power to overcome sin. Now to my brothers and sisters, especially to those of you who are non-Christian, those here or even online, while the story in the Bible might mean nothing to you, but with my earlier testimony, 
It is not something, it's not a story that I've crafted in my head just to convince you in any way. Honestly, standing before you, it still hurts to go through what I'm going through. Not much would know that I actually have less than four hours of sleep every day. If God is not real, then why would God? Why would I want to follow God and to leave my lucrative pay from Caltex? Or why wouldn't I opt to move down to Singapore? That's the easier way around. Why am I sacrificing so much just to stay here and convince you? It's almost like me tearing my clothes, uh, laying myself bare before you just to convince you. As I was running through this question, I saw a real Instagram reel yesterday. If you follow my Instagram, you'll see me. I reposted it on my story. It's actually a story posted by someone about Pastor Kong Hee talking about full-time calling. Uh, I would agree and I think my answer resonates with Pastor Kong Hee a lot. When he say, why would people want to serve full-time? He said this, it is because we love our God, we love the people, and we love the church. In my case, I really love my God. I love the people, which is all of you, and I especially, just like God, I love my church. As for the Christian, I'm sure you may have, you have experienced God's goodness in your life before. And maybe some of you who are more seniors. While you are a young believer, you have experienced up and down in your life. But just like every normal people or every grown-up Chinese man per se, We always like the expression Sin Fu Hou Tim Suffer first, then enjoy later. But it is it to a point that because as a young believer you used to experience up and down where your faith is challenged, today we start to take a more laid back role at the trying to live a comfortable life. Are we afraid of stepping out from our comfort zone? I would love all of you to reflect on the following questions. Would some of you worry that you might not live up to God's standard? Or are you worried that God, if you surrender your life to God, God will interfere in your life or your way of doing things? Some of you that hold financial, financially tight are you worried about your finances? That you may have compromised your tithing and giving? Parents, or maybe are you so worried about your child's education to a point that you've neglected that your child's spiritual life? Or those who are of you who are working or studying, are you worried so much about your work and businesses, or even studies, that it has compromised your time with God? In conclusion, and I would like to invite all the music, musicians to come on stage, I'd like to present to you Joshua 24 verse 15 as my concluding statement.
But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Today you and I too are standing on the verge. Sadly, just like the scripture that we have read earlier, if the leaders back then, the leaders of Israelites who are serving God know that He is real and even have experienced His miracle right before their eyes, can still be shaken in their faith, doesn't that show that despite God being so real in their life, faith in God still plays a part? My friends, if you felt that the God that I have presented you this morning is real, may I challenge you to open up your heart, to take up your faith and follow Him faithfully. God has a wonderful plan for you. And today, I think everything is just right on point. Uh, where I have never discussed with Pauline where she decided to to start off with a scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11. And that scripture means a lot to me. It's because that is the scripture where God called me into full-time ministry. Where I was wrestling with God and said, God, I got tons of commitment. I just bought a new car, a new home. How am I supposed to pay all this commitment? And God asked me to read Jeremiah 29, 11. That's why I thought, oh, so timely, as if it is a reminder from God to me also. To comfort me a little bit, <laughs> that I know my plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Then later in verse 12 it says, and if you find me before your heart, I will be fine by you. If you believe that God is worth following through to the end, can I invite you all of you to stand on your feet and use the following song. I know it's a new song, but as a form of declaration that God, we trust you. Uh, this is a song <laughs> that God has so crazy, crazily allowed me to to encounter when I was at my lowest point in time. When I was just having my breakup, I was having a lot of doubts. Then suddenly this song just appeared on my YouTube playlist and accidentally I played. And immediately the lyrics resonate. It's as if it is a call by God to ask me, Nick, I know you're having a painful moment. But why don't you surrender those painful moments to me? And that's why the title of this song is called I Surrender. And no matter what you're experiencing, your hurts, your failures, even some of your life, if you're non-Christian, maybe today you want to surrender your life and to test and see if this God is real. I ask you, you know, as we learn this song together, again, don't just sing it, but reflect on the lyrics that it means for what it means and use that lyrics as a form of prayer to God as our answer to God